Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. I want to talk to you today about the God of the outcome. The God of the outcome. There's a song that says, that matter of fact, we're getting ready to learn it here in the next couple of months. There's a song that says, God still shows up at the tomb of every Lazarus. So in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, just keep your Bibles over there. We may make reference a couple of times. But it says, now a man named Lazarus of Bethany, or a man was sick, uh, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him and saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to the end of death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So that the Son of God may be glorified by it. One translation said, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Through it. So everybody has a Lazarus, and we, we want to bring these things into focus about Lazarus. Because the word Lazarus literally means the one whom God helps. Lazarus means the one whom God helps. And Jesus, the backstory is Jesus liked visiting Mary and Martha. I believe that he was a regular, normal preacher in the sense that he loved good cooking. And Martha was a good cook. And, and uh, Mary would sit at his feet and be discipled. And he loved Lazarus. And so he would go by there and visit with them. Uh, certainly rabbinical writings and history tells us uh, he would go there quite often to rest himself. And so Martha issues a request to Jesus that just simply says that my brother is sick, the man whom you love, Would you come and pray for him? And so Martha issues this request. Lord, the one that you have, the one that you love is sick. And so I really like how she says it. Everything up to this point makes sense. Everything in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, it makes sense. You get sick, you call for Jesus, for him to come and pray the prayer of faith so that you may be made whole. When we get sick, I hope that you pray. I hope that you ask Jesus to touch you just like they did. But they asked Jesus to literally come there and touch him. And so that's where we're at. And so uh, he would visit them. He would help them. And, and so certainly it's in his nature to help him. But the next two verses doesn't make sense to me. Because verse number 5 says this. <clears throat> it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, I began to lose track right there. Oh, Lord Jesus, come help me. Come help my brother, he's sick. And so, verse number six, so when he Heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now that doesn't sound like a friend to me. I need you. I'll be there a few more days. I'm about to die. Oh, you'll be right. I'm on my last leg. You'll be right. Yeah, I'll be right. I'll be there in a little while. So now this doesn't make sense to me. And some of you here today are dealing with things in your life that just doesn't make sense anymore. I mean, we've never lived through what we're living through. And after a while, you just get a little numb about what's happening around you. And you begin to to think that nothing 
is making sense. And this is what I want to speak to you because it would be one thing for the Bible to say that Jesus loved them or, or he loved them but he stayed two more days. That would mean he loved them but there was something else he had to do. But what it says is that I loved you so therefore I stayed two more days. I loved you so I didn't come to you. I loved you so I didn't meet your need. I loved you so I left you in the dilapidated state that you were in. Jesus loved them so he did not come. So here's point number one if you're taking notes is this, and you can find them on you version. But point number one is God's job is outcome. Our job is process. Now if I had the ability, I would like to control my own outcome. But if I did that, I would probably be a spoiled brat instead of the person I am, less spoiled brat. Hey, I know, know who you are. But have you ever given any thought to how people have different love languages? In fact, there's a, bio, there's a book written about the five love languages. There's, and I, don't remember, I can't remember the Smallwoods number, but they're touch, task, talk, time, and trinkets and things. So those are love languages, and everybody has a love language. If you love me, you do this for me. If you love me, this is how, this is how you tell me that I am loved. Well, God's love language is not your love language. God's love language is trust. God says, if you love me, trust me. And that's a little bit harder to do sometimes. In fact, you got to understand that God loves to be trust, trusted more than he loves you to sing to him. He loves to be trusted more than you wear a cross on your, on your uh, 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 clothes or a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. Jesus loves to be trusted and sometimes God comes and challenges our trust in him. Am I talking to anybody? Lord, I trust you. You know, how many's ever heard this? God's never late. And I think he's lost a few times to be early. God's never late. Well, whose calendar are you checking on? Because in my opinion, he's late right now. I know y'all don't want to talk like that because you're Christians. I'm just trying to be real. But we often equate love with comfort. Did you, did you hear that? We equate love with comfort, but God equates love with trust. If you love me, trust me. And if we're not studious and don't pay attention, we'll begin to confuse our human definition of love with divine definition of love. If you love me, you'll do this, that, and the other thing for me. But God doesn't look at love that way. Love, that is not simply an action, but it is the essence of who God is. That God is God no matter what. You see, I, I've been serving God long enough. Even when I don't think that he loves me, I know that he does. See, how do you explain his actions when God does stuff like this? He loved them and he received their possibility or their, their hospitality. But when it comes time to help them, he stayed away another two days. Why? Because he loved them. I'm struggling with this a little bit. Anybody else ever struggle with this? Because, you know, how many of you have said words like this? They said they would be there for me, but they were not. They told me to call any time, but when I called at 3 o'clock, they said they didn't have time. You don't know what's going on on the other end. Now, we find every day in our lives the difference between our job and God's job. Our job is process, but God's job is outcome. And now let me help some of you right here. It's the next slide, I believe, Ryan. The, the longer that you think you can control the outcomes of people, the circumstances in your life, the more frustrated you will be in this journey in your faith. I want to control it all. Well, that, that, that's not. No, no, you got to trust God with the control. 
Because many of us have taught, have been taught. I don't think I have this on, on a slide, but i got to share this with you. But Oh, I do. I'm better than I thought I was. Many of us have been taught that faith is a way to control outcomes. If I just have faith, I'll have the outcome I want. That's not faith. That's manipulation. God, if I do this, if I do that, and I do that, then you have to do this. No, God doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to pay, he doesn't have to even pay taxes. He doesn't have to do anything. You see, but many of us have been taught that. And where the math works like this is what we've been taught. That if you pray this and do that and you can expect this and you can expect that. But everybody in here has a Lazarus. And the Lazarus factor is the thing in your life that made this formula fall apart. Wait a minute, I'm a Christian and my spouse is a Christian and we're still having trouble. The Lord told me to marry this person and we're still having trouble. I've used that a couple of times. Lord, this woman you gave me. And to God be the glory, my wife's been doing really great. She just decided one more day, one more week out of church because she'd been sick for so long. She hadn't had a fever in about 10 days, but she's doing better. She's back to herself, and, and so she'll be back with us shortly. So thank you guys for praying for my wife. She's been sick. Well, what does she have? I don't know. She was sick. Didn't you get her tested? No, I didn't. Why? Because what they going to do? I'm just saying. But we took precautions, and that's why I wear a mask when I'm talking to you, just to make sure I'm not no carrier, right? Was it COVID? I just told you I don't know. I had some good health care. I talked to some people, and, and she got through it. One night, I picked up the phone for the mortuary, but I didn't have to call her. She, she made it through. So, so but thank you for praying. And so, so many of us say that, God, I prayed this way, and you told me to do this, and the preacher and the pastor and the evangelist, they gave me seven ways to victory, and I followed those seven steps, and, and it didn't work. And I followed this formula and it didn't work. Everybody in here has something that you felt like you did everything that God asked you to do and your life still fell apart in that area. That's the Lazarus moment that they did. Jesus, the miracle worker, the the wet water walker came to town and he should just be able to speak a word and he'd be healed. But when he heard that he was sick, he didn't send a prayer. He didn't send a prayer cloth. He didn't send a peace lily. He didn't send flowers. He didn't send one of his little apostles, one of his little disciples. He said, I'll see you in a little while. And I am mad. Now, that it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. And it causes you to question your faith. Many of us have been at this very place. And we learned in Scripture that faith is not a form of manipulation by which we're able to keep God on our schedule. No, I've got news for you. God will not be manipulated and God will not be moved by you if he doesn't want to be moved. But just because, listen, God is not moved just because it's an uncomfortable situation and you've clicked your heels together three times and said, I want out and I want to go home. No. So faith is not a means of manipulation. It is a patience with mystery. Point number two is this. Sometimes you have to give God, you have to give him an angry praise. Oh, how dare you, pastor? How dare you say that? No, no. You you see, you ain't been there then. You ever praise God mad? Woo! Have, Have you ever loved your wife mad? Have you ever ate dinner with your spouse mad? Mm hmm. Have you, have you ever, I, I love this one, this, this one little meme. It had an old couple and it was raining and the man and, and woman were sitting away from each other but the man had the umbrella over his wife. He was mad but he was still protecting. Somebody hear me. Somebody hear me. 
Sometimes you got to give God an angry praise. Maybe he did something for somebody else that he didn't do for you and you've been asking him and you know stuff on the people he did it for. Because you're on the CSI team of God and you know their sin and you know why God shouldn't have done it but you don't understand why he didn't do it for you. I'm simply trying to state the fact that everybody has a Lazarus. Everybody has something here, in here, that, that, that was supposed to be done but didn't get done. But you don't know what God's doing. He said, so he stayed. I loved him, so he stayed. You know, my, I shared this story a couple of weeks ago, but my daughter, uh, Lauren, you know, she's been out of, out of college how long? Two and a half years, three years? Three? Three years. She's been out of college three years. Last month I found out something. She came to me, we were talking about something, and my oldest daughter, she, her last year, or her junior year of college, she worked all summer at Target making $17 an hour, and she bought an expensive gift for herself. And all of this time, my daughter thought we bought that gift for her when she graduated. And then when she graduated, we got her a $150 gift. And the other gift was a, was, a, was a couple of thousand dollars. And so for two and a half years, or three years, she thought that we spent more on the older daughter, listen to me parents, than we spent on her. Because she didn't see or understand or was not privy to what happened on the back end. All she knew is it was on daddy's credit card. She didn't hear or see Jillian pay me payments for the gift. And for anybody hearing me. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes of why God did what he did for somebody else. Because you wasn't privy to the to the deal that they made with each other. You wasn't privy to when I said, all right, you can put it on my credit card, but you're going to pay me this much for this amount of months so that until you pay it off. You were not privy to that. And you're trying to judge your relationship with God on somebody else's relationship with God. But can I tell you that, 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 that Lauren said, well, Daddy, I, I, I said, baby, I hate that you felt that way. He, she goes, I didn't understand, but I still loved you. There it is right there. I didn't understand why you would spend more on her than you did on me, but I still knew that you loved me. I did. She said, I wouldn't even ask the question because I just, I just felt somebody needs to hear me. You don't understand why God's doing something for somebody else and he didn't do it for you, but I've just come by to tell you that God loves you and he's got reasons. He is the God of the outcome. The love of God is not always proven by the way I feel. You ever get up and feel God don't love you? Oh, the devil loves to tell you that. Oh, look, look, he, he don't love you. He don't love you. Look, look, look here, he don't love you. The love of God is proven by the way I deal with his perceived absence. Let that sink in for a moment. The love of God is proven by the way I deal. How, do I, how does he know I love him? Because I love him when I can't feel him. I, I love him when I've gone 10 years and my wife wasn't healed of, of migraines. You have to give him an angry praise. When you've been hurt, when you've been stabbed in the back, when you've been betrayed, is anybody hearing me? When things didn't work out the way that you thought they ought to work out and God didn't do what you thought he ought to do, but you still praise him. Sometimes you've got to give him an angry praise and say, God, I, I will worship you. I will praise you because it's not about the outcome. I'm not responsible for it. It is yours. But what I'm responsible for is the process. See, our love for God is not always proven. when you, It's easy to, 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 to be thankful for what you have. It's easy to be thankful for what he's done. When I got up this morning, no joke, I got up this morning, I don't know why, I just love a good hot shower, and I thank God almost every time that I hit the shower and it's hot. I go, thank you, Jesus. 
Because probably you ain't ever been in a country where you had to take a cold shower and make sure that the water didn't get in your mouth or your nostril or your eyes because of nasty water. Woo! When you thought about, well, I got some wet wipes, I'll just take one of them baths, you know. Woo, Jesus. So when you get, but when you get in a hot shower and you know the water's clean and, and you, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But it's easy to thank him for what you have. It's easy to thank, you for, thank him for where you're at. That's easy. But how about praising him when you didn't get it? How about praising him when you cannot feel him? Some people go, well, sometimes you got to fake it to make it. Well, no, I say sometimes you got to faith it to make it. That I still have faith in you even when I don't feel your presence. I have faith in you when I don't feel like you're doing what I want you to do, God. I love it for him. By faith, I praise him because even when I don't sense God, he is still there. Is there anybody in here that's willing to give God a praise, an angry praise, or whatever kind of praise that you got to do today? Are you willing to just say, God, I'll praise you no matter what I'm going through? If I had my way, this whole child thing would be done. If it was... If I had my way, this old financial thing would be done. I've prayed for, I've prayed for 12 years that God pay this church off. Well, Pastor, do you get discouraged? No, because the same God that I know could come in here and have somebody write a check, I also know is the same God that comes in every month and we have the payment. Oh, did you hear that? My outcome would be I would really like to be out from under this thing. But God's outcome, I don't know why, maybe, I'm not saying it is, maybe it's I need you to have monthly faith instead of one-time faith. I need you to have everyday faith instead of just one-time faith. Ah, I need you to have faith on every day, not just on one day. I need you to have faith every day, not just for that one thing. If I did the one thing, you might, you might lose out. But if you got to have faith each and every day, I got to have faith just to make it. Oh, my God, somebody hear me. Jesus, I'm depressed. Jesus, I can barely breathe right now. I feel all alone. Jesus, I need to know how to make a decision on this subject. Have you ever had a prayer that just hit the ceiling and didn't go anywhere? Just bounced back. Felt like it went up your nose and right out out of your mouth and up your nose. Didn't go anywhere. A prayer that bounced right back. Now, I want you to hear something. I want you to hear this. You can have great faith and still be frustrated. Well, that ought to set somebody free right there. Because here's the other thing I want you to know. Just because you're tired doesn't mean you're weak. Even a muscle-bound help fanatic like myself. It doesn't matter how much weight you can lift. You lift it long enough, you get tired. It doesn't matter how much stress you can take. Deal with it long enough, you get tired. doesn't matter how much faith you have. You have it bombarding your faith and keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. And you feel like that you are weak. But I come by to tell you that you're not weak. You're just tired. But God's about to rest somebody. God's about to give somebody a rest in the house. If you look at your circumstances of your life, the proof of God's love, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Whipping my nub in all the bone pates. Whipping my nub. They say if you believe it, or they say to see it, to believe it. But God says you have to believe it in order to see it. He's the God of the outcome and you are not. Our Lazarus might be something in your character that, that you thought would be fixed by now, but it's not. It could be an addiction that you thought ought to be fixed. God, I, I, I didn't think that I'd be serving God for 20 years and still dealing with this issue. 
When I, but, you know, the reality is God could have sent his messenger. God could have sent word and it happened. Lord, come and break these chains. But it didn't happen. Everybody has a Lazarus. Some people have a Lazarus, but it's buried so deep that they even forgot about it. But every once in a while, it comes and raises its head. The Lazarus factor says, I, I, I just cannot deal with, this pro- with the process of disappointment. Now listen to this. How you process the disappointment determines whether it becomes faith that propels you or fear that paralyzes you. How you deal with disappointment. And I got news for some of you young parents. I'm not saying just verbally and openly disappoint your children. But they need to learn disappointment early. And how to deal with it. Well, they're just disappointed. That's why they're on the ground spinning around kicking their feet. No, that's not the way to deal with it. So because when they get older, you're going to have disappointments. You know it and I know it. They're going to be disappointments. Guess what? You don't get a paycheck without doing the work. You can't become independently wealthy without having a J-O-B. And I'm not talking about Job. I'm talking about a job. You can't catch fish unless you ever go out to the water. There's going to be disappointments. Jesus didn't come when they wanted him to. And he did not do what they wanted him to do. So does he still love them? The answer is yes. How many of you have ever done everything your child wants you to do? Nope. No, you haven't. Listen, whether how small the baby is, how young the baby is, you still don't do everything that they want. If I had my way, chocolate, twirl, twisty treat would be the everyday occurrence. With peanut butter and, 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 and a Reese cup. Mm, did y'all feel that right there? It just mm, Hallelujah, I felt that, man. I feel Jesus on that. I did stop and get one last night. But anyway, I feel Jesus. That if, if it were my, that's what I would do. But that's not good for me. I am living proof that he loves me even though you, I didn't get everything I wanted. Point number three is this. Jesus wants to resurrect the Lazarus in your life. Verse 15 says, Jesus says, I'm going to wake Lazarus up. I'm going to go real fast right here until I get to where I want to be. And the Lazarus factor is the faith to follow him anyway. The faith to follow him because he didn't do what you wanted. Can I tell you, sometimes he shows you the love that he has for you because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Anybody ever ever thank God for unanswered prayers? Woo! Say, oh, Jesus, I could have been wrapped up in that mess. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I remember my, 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 uh, Jillian's 18th, or no, our 18th, but her senior year, we were scheduled to go on a cruise, and we were trying to get down to, to Fort Lauderdale or Miami, and we were on the turnpike, and, and there was a car, that our truck, uh, a gasoline truck that burned down to the, and so we were delayed. But we're praying, oh, God, get us there. God, help us, Jesus. Help us. So finally it started going, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're moving. Hallelujah. They were just turning us around. Nobody knew that for like 10 miles because it was closed down. So then we got on another road, and we go, okay, we're going to make it. Praise God. We're going to call the cruise line. Yeah, we're waiting on you. we got about 30 people waiting on you. And then there was another wreck. Somebody lost their life. Now, you know, because I'm so spiritual, I wasn't, oh, God, bless their heart. I'm like, oh, God, get us there. I didn't know them. Come on, let's be, be real. I didn't know them. I didn't know, I, I didn't know who it was. So, you know, so I did, a, I, did, I did the church of God. I did the old preacher thing. Oh, Lord, touch him. God, help us get there. <laughs> Nothing, man. We missed it. And was it you or Jillian? All right, I always get it mixed up, so you'll keep me straight. So Jillian said, hey, 
It was her last spring break of high school. She goes, hey, God might not have wanted us on that cruise ship. And I went, wow. But I really wanted to go. Right? Am I talking to anybody? Dad, you don't know what happened on that cruise ship. Well, I, I checked and nothing happened to that cruise ship. And then she said, well, we can do vacation right here. And I thought, I just lost $2,500. Do you think I got money to do anything else? And I wish I could tell you that that cruise ship sank. No, I don't. But the reality, nothing happened. I don't understand why God did what he did. But, you know, I just threw my hands up and I quit pastoring for a year. I quit going to church. Because God didn't do what I wanted him to do. I mean, come on, Lord. Lord, that was $2,500. I wish I could tell you that, that when they got back, when I called the cruise company, they go, oh, Mr. Reed, we didn't realize that you knew God, so we were going to give you your $2,500 back. They didn't do that. Nobody come to me and go, oh, Pastor, I realize you lost your vacation of $2,500. Here, let me give you $2,500. No, 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 nothing. I'm still looking for that $2,500. But did I give up on God? No. And neither do you. Does that mean that he loved me less? No. I don't understand why he did. But he's the God of the outcome. I'm, the, I'm, just, a, I'm just part of the process. See, he had to show them something. God had to show them something at the tomb that they wouldn't have gotten unless Lazarus would have been dead. So I loved them so I wanted to show them a new glory that they hadn't seen. So he comes, now he comes to the city. I want to show him a new thing. See, he wants to show you his demonstration of power in a way that you've never seen. And verse 17 says that he came to the city. Now here, here, here's something that you need to understand. Jewish people believed that whenever the first three days somebody died, that the spirit could still return to the man because they didn't have they didn't embalm them back then, so you know how many how many are over fifty remember those wakes that years ago they didn't embalm you they but they would have a wake they would have an overnight wake and watch the dead person to see if they got up if they really wasn't dead if that ever happened at a wake I'm at they are gonna have a funeral it's gonna be mine. So they would wait three days. So, so Jesus knew that if he came within those three days, then they would believe that he really wasn't dead. But on the fourth day, it was a superstition. It wasn't real. But on the fourth day, they knew that they believed that he was dead. So God comes, or Jesus comes strolling in on the fourth day. Is God waiting past your expectation? So that his strength can kick in with a new velocity. Is he waiting past your expectation point? Because there are some things in in lives Jesus can only do. Verse 21. We all have different ways of dealing with disappointment. Martha went in and and when, when they heard that Jesus was there, Martha, the Bible said, ran out to Jesus. But not Mary. Oh, little sourpuss. Not Mary. Martha said, Jesus is here. Some of you said, God, I'm hurting. Here I come. But not Mary. She said, I can't believe his old stanky self done come up in here now that there's nothing that he can do. See, some want to meet disappointment at the gate. Because they were disappointed in Jesus. He didn't come. He didn't return their call when they thought they ought to got it. He wasn't there for them. Some of us jump in the bed and roll up the covers. Some of us quit church. Some of us lean in to God and say, I need you more now than I've ever needed. And so Martha ran to the gate where Jesus was. But look at Martha's perspective. Lord, you came when I cooked, but you won't come when I cry. 
You came when I cooked, but you didn't come when I cried. Why didn't you take care of this situation? And if you did, I wouldn't be grieving. For us, I'm talking about dealing with something in your life that dies. Oh, you're still going through the motions. You're still going through your agenda. But your passion is not there like it once was. Jesus, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. But what Martha said is it doesn't change my perception of you. You're still God. And I'm still here. And that's a great way to be. Now listen to me closely. The most godly, I think is my next one. The most godly prayer that you can pray is the most honest prayer that you can pray. See, we try to get, we try to get all spiritual. Oh, our heavenly Father, if, if it beeth thou will, that thou grantest me, my beloved, whatever, you know. But God just wants you to be honest. Have you ever told God, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm just, I don't really feel like praying right now. I've done that. God, I don't feel like praying. But what are you doing, Pastor? I'm praying. Why? Because praying is talking to God. But it ain't praying in King James Version. It ain't praying in victory. It ain't praying with, with on, on, on cloud nine. I'm praying out of frustration. I'm praising out of anger. Come on, somebody. God, how dare you? I've actually said this to God. Because one time the Lord, in my opinion, called me religious. And God said, because I, I made a comment. And as soon as I made it, the popped into my mind. Oh, you old religious thing. I said, hey, I'm Ronnie Reed. I pastor the crazy church down there in Crystal River. We're not religious. We have relationship, man. How dare you call me religious? And here's what God said. Oh, you didn't like the way these people was worshiping because it got on your nerve. They wasn't worshiping the way that you thought they ought to worship, so you didn't think it was me. So I started backstroking. Well, I didn't say it wasn't you. I just said it wasn't my particular way I like and enjoy to worship you. That's all I was saying, God. Do anybody else talk to God like that? Amen. The most godly prayer you can pray is the most honest prayer that you can pray. Verses 20 and 22. Something takes over Martha. And I hope it takes over you today. Because we all have a Lazarus, something that you buried, something that's in the process of being buried. And at some time, faith is trying to be born in you to countersink that disappointment. God is present. I want you to hear me. God is present. Well, I don't feel him. God is present. I, I, I don't feel the doodads running up and down my spine. God is is present. God is not a feeling. God, Now, I, I understand that you can feel Him, but He is not a feeling. God is here. When you feel good, when you feel bad, when you feel Him in your presence, when you feel when you don't feel Him, He is there. David said, I can't go to get away from God. If I go to the east or the west, He's there. If I make my bed in hell, God is there. So stop trying to improve the presence of God based on what He does. Stop trying to improve. God says, stop trying to improve my presence based on what I do because I wanted you to see who I am, not based on what I do or what I don't do. All right, I'm trying to close. God brings us to this place to see what we're going to do with these disappointments. Musicians, come back. I got one more point, but that'll make me go fast. God brings you to this place to see what you're going to do with your disappointment. Are you going to lean into God or lean away from God? Point number four is this. Don't leave Jesus standing at the gate today. You know, I think that it's interesting that Jesus came to the gate. Martha met him there and stayed there, though. Martha met him at the gate, and although she was disappointed, she had not experienced the miracle that she so desperately needed, but she still recognized his deity, that he's still God. 
So he'll stand where you need him to stand. What do you mean by that? Like this. That he'll only come as far as you're willing to let him in. You want God to stay out of your business? He will. They wanted to take prayer out of schools. They wanted to take God away from schools. Well, they did it. (laughs) Who's kidding? As long as there's tests, there will be prayer in school. But you know what? They didn't take prayer out of the home. Martha was angry at Jesus, but she still received the miracle. Then Martha told Mary, I love this. So I'm going to be Martha for you today. Because Martha told Mary, Mary, Jesus is asking about you. And the Bible said that Mary jumped up and ran to where Jesus was. In her frustration and in her disappointment, she just ran to him. Oh, Jesus. And then I love what Jesus says to the women. The women said, if you had have been here, frustration, my brother would not have died. Now, you put your own word in there. God, if you'd have done what I asked you to do, my spouse wouldn't have died. My child wouldn't have died. My mother, my father. Lord, if you'd have done what I wanted you to do, I wouldn't be married to this one. I'd have been married to that one. Right? Just Let's be real, man. Lord, if you'd have done what I asked you to do, you'd have killed him a long time ago. But Jesus said, where did you lay him? Show me the place where you laid him. And my question to you today is where's that place that you put your Lazarus? Oh, it's 1230. Y'all give me a few more minutes. Where is that place? Symbolically, that place within us, that place of betrayal, that place of humiliation. How about this? place of exhaustion God I'm just tired I just I just need you to move man God I'm just tired and every time I feel like I get a chance to breathe something else comes up God ah, do you love me anymore everybody has a turn that life took and you didn't see it coming And God didn't prevent it. That place. God says, take me to the place. Take me to that place. Where you started just going through the motions. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you still go to church, but you don't expect me to do anything. Take me to that place where you just started going through the motions. Take me to the place when you stopped fighting addiction and you just started managing it. Take me to the place where you decided that porn wasn't hurting anybody so you just dealt with it secretly and asking nobody finds out. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you put on the facade to come to church, but you're somebody completely different outside. That place. Take me to the place where you don't think people can handle who you really are, so you put on the facade. Take me to that place. Because let me tell you something. He comes comes to the tomb and Chapter 11, verse 35, the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And I love that they said that he wept. Some people go, well, he wept because of their lack of faith. He wept because they didn't believe. I, I don't know. Here's what I choose to believe today. Why did he weep? Because, because give me my next one. 
I think it's the next one. Before he demonstrates his authority, he demonstrates his empathy. Before he rises in, I mean, I know where you're at. Isn't it it just good for somebody to know where you're at? To know what you're going through? So before he demonstrates his authority, he demonstrates his empathy. He wants you to know that he is with us while we're waiting. He is right there. 36 and 37. He says, he told him, he said, you guys. I think he's southern. He said, y'all, take the stone away. And they do. The stone across the entrance represents the stone that's covering your heart today. That you won't let Jesus in. Something that he could have done himself. He could have. But until you open up yourself to the possibility that God can heal my Lazarus, then you're never going to be healed. And of course, he went there and he, with a loud voice, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. Because he's the God of the outcome. He showed up at the spot, and he's still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus. God said, I'm with you always, and that that with you always is a double negative. It means never, no, never. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Would you just bow your heads with me? Maybe you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus. And I give you my word, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. But if that's you and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus to come to where I am and heal me, save me. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? You can put it right back down. Anybody in this room? I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I need forgiveness of my sin. I can't blame it on anybody else. It's me. For whatever reason, I've turned away from you, but today I'm turning to you. May the blood of your son Jesus cleanse my sin and make me whole. And Lord, while you're here, heal my Lazarus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give Jesus praise in the house. Hallelujah. You know, I had planned to to do another song today called I Held On. I did it Wednesday night, but during the early service, I thought that this song would be appropriate, and I just want you to listen to it for just a moment. Spirit Life Team, would you come? And if you need prayer as we sing this song, would you just step out? Singers, come help me. Here, y'all come up on front. Y'all come on, John. Come, come out over here. I need you. Oh, you done got your own microphone, huh? Okay. Okay. She's like, no, no, no. Thank you. Listen to the words of this song. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me yet. <laughs> Waiting for change to come. I know in the battles won, your you have never failed me yet. I like verse two. It says this I know the night won't last, your word will come to pass. And I prophesy to somebody tonight. My heart will sing your praise again. Hallelujah. It won't be an angry praise, God, but I'm going to praise you. 
Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Would you stand with me? One more time, say. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Hallelujah, Jesus. Waiting for change. I wing the battles won. My heart will sing your praise again. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, or maybe you just want to come, you know, let me ask you this. And I, I know it's, man, I, I'm going to let you go. It's 1241. I, I've, I've preached longer than I normally do. I don't think I preached longer than other things took care of it. But here's what I want to ask you. If your heart needs to be healed, if maybe your Lazarus needs to be healed, as we sing this song one more time, would you just step this way? Whether you come to somebody to pray for you or maybe just want to be in the aisle, just say, God, I'm coming to where you are. I know God's right there where you are. He is. But sometimes you need to make a move and let God meet you where you are. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing. My God, I don't know who I'm talking to. But your heart will sing again. I know it's broken right now, but it will. Jesus, you're still. Hallelujah. Keep me within your love. Yes, Lord. Come on, come on. I know the night won't last. Father, I pray over this congregation today that you visit every Lazarus and that, God, you would resurrect and heal what needs to be healed so that they may have victory in every aspect in Jesus' name and the church declared, Amen. God bless you. We're going to minister around the altars. You may be dismissed. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.